welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and put the... Do we have the, the slide up that uh, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it? It's not there. It's fine. Just leave this one. That's, I was going to say, just leave that there. That's fine. Somebody say that. The blessing of the Lord, the of the Lord. makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Say that one more time. The blessing of the Lord makes me rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, I want to just quickly stop right there and bring down, well, I'm not interested in earthly riches. I'm not er interested. Well, like, okay, so I'm going to bring some balance to that, you know, because I don't want anything that I'm sharing on the blessing of the Lord to come across as like this opulent, um, you know, I want 10 Rolls Royces, five mega homes. That's not what we're talking about. What is the word rich? I mean, everybody's definition of rich, rich to one person might not be rich to another. How many of you understand that? How many of you re realise $10,000 to him might not be the same as $10,000 to him? If he's sitting with $10 million in his bank account or 20 million, hallelujah. Uh, you know, and he's sitting with $100,000 in his account. $10,000 does not carry as much value to him as it does to him. All right. So when we talk about the blessing of the Lord making one rich, the word rich and the blessing of the Lord refers to every sphere of your life, that you are enriched with His goodness. And part of that richness includes, somebody say includes, the blessing of the Lord in the financial area. All right, and it's okay to talk about this kind of stuff. Remember that, you know, God doesn't want us, just say this to yourself, poverty is a curse. All right, so by virtue of poverty is a curse, then having what we need so that we can do what we need is a blessing. How many of you say, how many of you would believe that having the means to do what you need to do is a blessing? All right. And so we, and, and that's part of the part of part of what we're saying here today. You know, if 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 we had a hundred million dollars sitting in the bank account right now as a ministry, for instance, just hear me out. First of all, we wouldn't be in this building. All right. First of all, we wouldn't be in this building. We'd be in a completely different building, and all of Lafayette would have figured out that Destiny Church exists. Not because we're trying to point people to ourselves, but because we are using and becoming stewards over what He's given us in order to proclaim the message of the Gospel. All right? So finances just becomes the platform so that we can spread the good news. Well, you don't have to be talking about this. Play. Let me just tell you, how many of you support some great ministries that are out there doing something for the kingdom of God? Or, you know, when I say support, maybe you are sowing and giving offerings to some of these ministries as the Lord leads you to do that. But, and maybe you're not, but you support them because you like their ministries. Let me tell you, by, by mere fact that you can actually even know who they are and God has uh, 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 propelled them and given them a platform, they have money to be able to do that in order for you to be blessed by that ministry in the first place. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and poverty is a curse. So God wants us to have more than enough. 
How many of you know, in a God, uh, if, if, if poverty was a curse, I'm sure if poverty was a blessing, sorry, then when we get to heaven one day, heaven is gonna be completely bankrupt because it's a blessing to be poor. And we're gonna spend all eternity in a place of abject poverty, full of sickness and disease and everything else that attaches itself to that foul demon spirit. Are you with me? So it's okay, you know, that's, that's a real problem. That's a real problem. We've got to get rid of that. We've got to get rid of that poverty spirit or that poverty mindset. Somebody say there's a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset that dictates to you what you can and cannot afford. Well, I can't do this. I can, I can, I can. Well, yeah, I understand that there's wisdom and nobody's asking you to go buy things you can't afford when you can't even take care of your own family needs first. Are you with me? So we're not talking about a lack of wisdom. But just understand one thing. Nothing about your current circumstances get to change or will ever transition or shift as long as you're saying, I can do this, but you're never opening yourself up to the wisdom of God and how God can expand you in order to get a little bit more than what you currently have into your life. It's like a form, it's, like a, it's, 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 it's a form of insanity. Say, so I want the blessing of the Lord, but you never ever put yourself out. Somebody say, I'm a vessel. How do I know that you're a vessel? Because the Bible says that. The Bible declares concerning each and every one of us that He is the potter and we are the clay. Can I not do with you, O Israel? I am the potter. Can I, do, can I not fashion you and, 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 and form you? We are the vessels. He is the potter and we allow Him to fashion us. We are vessels and we can contain, we can contain measures. And, and just let me go ahead and say this. When, we are, when I'm talking about the limitations here, we can contain in our souls, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions, we can contain measures of revelation on the goodness of God in a lot of different areas. We are a container, but yet at the same time in your spirit, the fullness of Christ, not half of Christ, not a portion of Christ lives in you. The fullness of Christ lives on the inside of you, but you might only be manifesting Him at a certain level in that vessel that He's molding. And yet if you can be a believer, function in the anointing, you know, there's a lot of anointed men and women of God that have walked the face of the earth that we never have even heard of. Yeah, well, they did what God called. Maybe some of them did do what God was called them to do. And I understand not every minister, not every single minister is going to be affecting multitudes and millions. I get that. But I can tell you that there is a large number of those men and women of God that have gone to the grave with an anointing that was meant to be heard by far more people. Because they were rich in the anointing in a measure of who God called them to be. They were developed in one side, but there were other areas of their life that were not developed and God could not do in them what He fully wanted to do in them because there were poverty mindsets, religious mindsets about different areas in their life that He could not even get breakthrough. God will only move in you to the ability that you will allow Him to do it. The only thing hindering anybody in this whole building is your head. 
Oh, I'll say that. I'll say that one more time. The only thing hindering anybody in this whole building from becoming more in, in capacity, in in the fullness of what Christ has for them, is their head. Somebody said, "Well, what about demons? Stop focusing on demons. The devil's not your problem. Your head is your problem. You have authority over the devil, but you need to take authority over your head." What's the point of resisting the devil in a certain area, but you never ever shift your mindset in the very area that needs shifting? You see, the, the, the devil is, a, is, is his secondary to the problem. Pri- the primary problem is your head. The devil is secondary. The devil will come and play on your primary problem all day long and you can tell him to get off your back and he might for a couple of days, but if you never remove, renew your mind to the root of what the problem is, I'm telling you right now, the devil will have a heyday till Jesus comes back with you and you will stay the same way. The devil is not your problem. Your head is your problem. Stop blaming the devil for what you're not willing to take responsibility for. Stop giving a defeated foe who is not, I mean, come on, let me tell you right now. The book of Revelation says we're all gonna look at him and say, that was the one? He was the one? You mean that little stick? Creation. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not everywhere at one time. He walks like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And most of us say, devil, Satan came and attacked me. Let me tell you, it wasn't Satan. It was one of his little skinny little stick demons that came to you. Why? Because the devil can't be everywhere at one time and you're not important enough. Not yet. More. No, 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 because we like to take pride in the fact, ooh, the devil came to me. I'm so spiritual, the devil visited me. And? And? Tell him to get off your bus. Now, I'm not saying we don't deal with the devil. Please, every time I've got to make disclaimers. I wake up every day, not going, what devil am I gonna have to fight today and wrestle with in order to obtain my victory and my breakthrough for today? I'm not there wearing a ninja suit trying to go gangbusters on some demon spirit. I wake up in the morning in full victory. He has got the problem in trying to hinder whatever God's got for me on that day. And I'm the one that either yields to whatever he's trying to do to stop what God's already determined to do because I'm allowing God to do it through me. It's not the other way around. I don't start out having to force him away. He's trying to find a way in because he's not in already. He's on the outside. He comes like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's because he's not on the inside. He's trying to get in. We are the ones that let him in. And the thing that lets him in is your head. Because the moment you give agreement to his lies is when he comes in. 
The moment you agreed to his, how do you think he showed up? He didn't come in the garden when Adam and Eve were there and Eve was presented with their fruit and, 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 and uh, he, she said, well, look, the Lord said, if we, if we eat of this, we're gonna die. No, 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 he didn't come going, listen, you will eat this apple. He didn't come with three other demons, tie Eve down to a stick, open her mouth and force the apple into her mouth. Yet somehow today in a new covenant that we've been given, that's restored us to the original Adam, from the last Adam, Jesus, we think that the devil has the power to pin you down and put an apple in your mouth and make you eat. Or the devil made you do it. The devil made you do nothing. You submitted to the devil. You opened the door and you let him come and wreak havoc. Now, I don't know how the heck I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord and we ended up here, but I figured the devil needed a good shackalacking this morning. Amen, Brother David. Bishop. Now, just understand, we, the Bible says, resist the devil. It says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil. So he has given us the authority to resist him. And while we're on that subject, begin to resist him, please. Can you begin to resist him? Use the words from your mouth. Get your tongue to flap and say, Satan, not today, not now, not never, not ever, never, ever, 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 shut your mouth, be gone in the name of Jesus. Because until you tell him where to get off the bus, he's gonna try and ride your bus all day long. Well, I don't know if I can agree with this stuff. Okay, I'll tell you what, why don't you go preach a gospel that puts all the glory on the devil? Because I'm preaching a gospel that says Jesus is far greater than the devil. So if you've got a problem with what I'm saying, you've got a problem with the, the authority of Jesus. <clears throat> and, I've, and when I've spoken along the lines of these subjects before, you know, I didn't come from, from some hole in the wall like I don't know the devil exists. And by the way, I'm harping on this because I feel the anointing and the flow to be here. I'm feeling a flow to stay right here. Not physically here, but here on the subject. How will we be free if we believe false ideology? How will we be free if we don't understand what the Bible says we have in Christ? 
Then suddenly we get sick and we get illness. And then all of a sudden we're going to some book to find out what that thing could be. And we go back 50,000 generations to find out, come on, just instead, the first thing we go to do is find out what demon it is instead of the first thing to do and say, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I speak and I enforce the thousand year blessing, thousand generation. Why don't we talk more about the thousand generational blessing than we do about generational curses? I'm sorry, I am sorry. If you don't like it, there's a door. Don't bump your head on the way out. And if I empty out this building, we will go find another city to preach in. You wonder why the church in America is stuck, is, is stuck full of religion. I'm telling you right now, can I give you a name of somebody that's actually moving in the realm of the Spirit right now? Watch this man. His name is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. You might lie, not like him. He's real rough around the edges. And boy, if I irritate you, you won't be able to listen to him. But heaven is moving on his, heaven is moving. The fingerprint of God is on his life. Things are moving, things are shaking around him. He couldn't afford to go from meeting to meeting as an evangelist because his car was breaking down. He was having $7,000 a year in the ministry. I mean, anybody that got $7,000 a year in the ministry was probably contemplating quitting the ministry many times over. I don't know about you, but I don't think there's any single one person here that is married with a child that can survive on $7,000 a year. Unless you're eating ramen noodles every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And even then, you're going to have to ration the portions of ramen noodles out. I'm talking 10 years. Within 10 years, the, that God is using him so powerfully, his ministry right now is generating $1.3 million a month. Oh, well, that's a lot of money. I mean, you know, uh, you know that we get that. That's so, do you, do you have any idea of what they're doing? Feeding 2,000 people, 2,000 children every day, supporting, I don't know how many evangelists, giving to nations in Africa and into foreign soil. You have no idea. That their, their ministerial budget is 1.3. Uh, I believe it's like, I can't remember, I don't want to misquote, but, 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 but <laughs> their partnership ministry alone generates $1.1 million a month. God gave him a dream. It's called Revival Today. The Lord said, call it Revival Today Air Force. And he said, what's it gonna do for us to generate a million dollars a year? The Lord says, $84, find a thousand, what was it, a thousand people that can give you $84 a month, and then over the year, you'll have a million dollars. They started out 150 people, supported them for the first year, then 200. Four years later, after starting with that vision, they now have 14,000 partners.
God called him to start a church for where he comes from. And I don't know why I'm talking about this. I'm just trying to tell you something because it's, 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 it's when I listen and I sit under people like that that have got something going on, you best believe I've got something to, to draw from. They started their church. He said he was happy if there were going to be 30 or 40 people, 30, 40 people show up. Uh, you know, approximately, I don't know how many hundreds, a couple of hundred came. Within six months, they're busting the seams. They're already over a thousand people. Some, some uh, 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 they were renting an office. They were blessed with a $4 million building because during the pandemic, they came out with a show called Check the News. And people were so hungry at the time to hear somebody speaking the truth that they found them and started to find out somebody was speaking to the truth. Over Check the News, their ministry quadrupled from watching a Check the News TV show. And every end of the TV show, he'd give everybody an opportunity to, to surrender their lives to the Lord. He did that for, for a year. Their ministry quadrupled from a secular news show. Believe me, if you watched it, the average Christian would have been offended listening to it because they didn't cut anything out of the news. So they started the church, they have over a thousand people there. Then the Lord speaks to them and says, start a church in Fort Worth, Texas. Today is the first service in Todd White's building. In, in Fort Worth, Texas. And if you panned over with the camera, there must have been every bit of four or 500 people on day one. And let me tell you right now, where that man's going, <laughs> God is using him mightily. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, you know, those are people that are moving stuff in the Spirit. This demon stuff that's coming on the surface all over again, this is all being, it's all recycling again. This was here 20, 30 years ago. It came and it went and it's gonna go again. That doesn't mean we don't need to get people set free from demons. We do heal the sick, deliver people from demons, but we don't go running around looking for demons in every single person. We should be much more focused on doing what God's called us to do and the destiny and the purpose of God being accomplished in our lives. And maybe I'm just saying this because I will not have anybody put any chains or yokes around my neck to hear. You, you, whoever you are in this room, you will not put a yoke. I don't care about how much money you give to the church. You will not stop me from preaching the truth. I don't care if nobody gives another dollar in this church again. I will not stop preaching the truth because of anybody's tithing or, or offering. Maybe I'm just preaching this way to set myself free a little bit here today. And I'm not an angry preacher. I'm just not gonna put up with religion. We're not doing a holy huddle. Uh, uh, we're not gonna be doing some crazy. Listen, let's go win the lost 
Get people baptized, get them set free and then disciple them and get them to do the same. The gospel's simple. Get people healed, get people saved, get people healed, get people set free, disciple them, get them to do the same thing. Get people healed, get people discipled, get, de- get people delivered, get them set free, get them discipled, get them to do the same thing. Get people free, get people saved, get people delivered, get them discipled, get them to do the same thing. Hallelujah. What does the early church look like about the blessing of the Lord? Go to Acts chapter 4. I mean, you can read it right there. They're all functioning in the spirit. They're functioning in the anointing. The glory of God is hitting the place. (coughs) And then just one last thing before I get back to that. Jesus never, you know, he didn't say in my name, you shall counsel demons. He said, in my name, you shall cast out demons. Now we're referring people to counselors and we're referring people to this. We're referring people to that. Let's just lay hands, believe in the power of God that by the authority of the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus works. I don't care who you are. The name of Jesus works. The name of Jesus is more than enough. We don't counsel demon spirits. We cast them out. Amen? Amen. All right, so the book of Acts, chapter four, actually talks about how they came and and they were being persecuted and they all come. This is the second upper room experience, by the way, that I'm talking about. The second upper room experience is when they all go up to the upper room and they pray. They go in praying that God, that with all boldness, grant your servants that they may go out without any fear. Let them continue to preach the gospel because their lives now are being threatened for preaching the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of good news of what Jesus came to do, that He saves, He delivers, He heals, He sets free, and He wants you to be just like Him. And I'm allowed to say these things because I'm an American citizen now. So when I talk, I speak as an American. But a lot of the American church is like the ninja fighter. How many of you ever watched that movie where the ninja comes out all dressed up in his ninja suit? And the other guy, his opponent pulls out a gun and shoots him. That's not a knock on America. I'm telling you, I've been here for years now. I am an American. I'm proud to be an American. But let's get on a plane together and I'll take you to some nations where you're seeing the most crazy miracles taking place right now. Where the power of God is moving in the most amazing way.
The Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Is it, is it that God blessed this nation, this wonderful land of America? Is it that God has blessed this great land with His power where the gospel has taken off like leaps and bounds in such a freedom and, 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 and in those movements that God allowed that to propagate across the earth? Is it that America has come into religion that the other nations need to come to America to start bringing revival back to a nation that once brought revival to them? Listen to what I'm saying. And if we cannot humble ourselves to the possibility of that thought, it's not what I'm saying that offends you. You have pride in your heart. Humble yourself. Besides the fact that in the, I'm just letting you know this. Do you know that America is, is not, there's not even, it's in the book of Revelation, it's not even in there. Like America's not even on the map. Now there's people that will take scriptures to say, this could be the possibility of America there. Now America has its place in this last day move of God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to say we cannot, we need to humble ourselves a little bit. We need to come down and say, Lord, I thank you that we have our part to play. This is a great land. And God said, we've got to contend for this great land. And we've got to be the voice of truth in this great land. Not be preaching on Sunday mornings about the biblical truths we can find out that are in the movie of Barbie. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, do you know Barbie? Did you know I found out that Barbie's name was such and such? Her first name is this. She was invented in such and such a year. And she even has her own Instagram. And, and, and well, what has that got to do with anything? What valuable biblical lessons can we pull out of Barbie? From platforms at church. I'm not making this stuff up, I'm telling you. That's why I have a fire because it's going to take the fire of God to shake the United States of America. It's gonna take a church that is uncompromising. It's gonna take a church that is not deviating from the truth of this Word to carry the glory of God across the face of this earth. It's going to take an uncompromising. It's gonna take a remnant church. And it's gonna take a blessed church, full of the blessing. So, so they were so moved, God, that, uh, spare your servants because of these threats that I bring in modern vernacular. In Acts chapter four, they, they went into pray, Father, I thank you that your supernatural grace would protect us from the, the threats of death that are coming against us. Father, we will not, Lord, we're coming to you. Thank you for extra boldness because we're not gonna back off. Right. We are not gonna back off. Right. We are gonna be your hands and feet, Lord Jesus. Yes. 
And then they come out of the place, the whole building is shaken. And guess what happens when they come out after the building has been shaken? The Bible says that they came and that nothing that they possessed was their own and they came and laid everything at the feet of the apostles. Which by the way, if you wanna know what the highest realm of unity looks like, it's found in Acts chapter four. Why? Because the, 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 the threats that were coming up against them were so high, they were in such unity with each other. They came and said, look, you know, I don't know when my, my life's going to be taken from me. That, look, they went and praying for boldness and they came out. The, Holy, the Bible says the Holy Spirit shook that place. They came out of an encounter with the Holy Spirit, laying all that they had at the feet of the apostles. And the Bible says that there was no need among them. And I believe that we haven't seen that realm moving in the church like we should is because instead of there being no need among them, the money gets diversified into here, there, everywhere, and we don't help the ones that need to be helped. Amen? Now that doesn't mean that's every ministry. There are ministries where God is pouring out like that. Amen? But it's an attitude towards the kingdom that says, I am all in. Lord, Lord, there's nothing. When you were born, you were born naked. When you go out of this world, you leave naked. You don't get to take your silver, your gold, your dollars, your, your shoes, your suits, the car that you love. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I wanna leave my wife behind, but I'll take everything else. <laughs> I don't know why I had that thought. Babe, I love you and I want you to come with me. But you don't, you, don't take, you don't take, the only thing we get to take with us is souls. So God, and, and this is what I'm saying, we're talking about the blessing. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to overflow with His blessing. But then all we've got to do is do an evaluation in our hearts of where am I in this context? Lord, help me. Help me. Contextually. Because at some point, if you've got 10 houses and 20 cars, how many is enough? You know what I mean? How many, I mean, how many cars can you be in at the same time? How many houses can you sleep in at the same time? And it's okay because the Bible also said a good father and a good, a good father leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. It's okay. So after you've done all of that. Amen. And the great joy that I come bringing to you this morning is that I'm not ministering on the subject out of a, a position because, you know, we are appealing for people to give beyond what they're supposed to do. No, we're free in that area. You do what you do, you, you do what God's called you to do. We're not, we're not asking you for anything other than to preach the truth of the paradigms of the bigness of who He is and how He wants to be that for you. Yeah. 
God doesn't do anything in small measures. Somebody say that God doesn't do anything in small measures. Let me tell you right now, taking five loaves and two fish and multiplying it to feed 5,000, that's not a small measure. Parting the waters for three million Jews to walk across from, the, from Egypt all the way to the promised land, that's not a small measure. I mean, he does nothing in small measures. Like God will rain stuff down on you till you, can't, till you don't know what to do with it. He does nothing in small measures. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm done here. I'm just making sure. I actually didn't really get into what I wanted to get into. <sighs> but I figured that's not what the Holy Spirit wanted to, to say this morning. Amen. That's why we are led. Somebody say, them that are, uh, that, uh, say, we are led by the Spirit. Say, we are led by the Spirit. And by the way, what I'm preaching here is not an opinion. I'm preaching from what is in the Scripture for you. I'm not here to tell you some cute story about a movie and what, we can, what observations. Now, you can go watch your movie all year long, but I'm telling you right now, the only place when we have to deviate from because we're bored with what the Scripture says that we have to go to movies to try and bring parallels. And if we have to, de listen, this truth here, I mean, I've been serving the Lord now for, for over 26, 27 years. I've been grown, I mean, I'm 45 years old now. From the age of 18 is when I made my own decision to follow the Lord Jesus when He came and visited me a, a, a month later I had an encounter with Him in, in, on June 30th of 1978 I grew up in a Christian home with a mom and dad who were in the ministry that I woke up that were casting demons out of everything we lived on a little island in Mauritius where it was riddled with demons demons everywhere That's why I'm saying I'm not coming out of left field talking about something I have zero clue about. One of the men of God on the island, my mom and dad passed away over the last four or five years. But God used them to rock an island with the glory of God. Thousands of people came into the kingdom. Today, some of the, 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 the majority of the church there, not only with them, but, but a large portion of the church that exists on the island today, almost 40, almost 50 years later, was from, from, from a word God gave them to go and have revival there. And they knew nothing. There were six months in the Lord. All they did was open up their Bible and they're in the Catholic church because they heard my dad had a, a religious experience and all he would open up was to the Gospels. My mom didn't even, couldn't speak French and she would try and read from the French Bible uh, at, the, at, the, at the podium in the front on high in the, in the cathedral and the power of God would move and, and people were being delivered, healed and set free. They knew nothing. They had a man who was the, 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 the most powerful witch or wizard, warlock, whatever, came and said, I want what you have. Your power is greater than mine. That man came in, the, every demon in hell left him. He got radically turned around and last year died as a minister of the gospel.
I'm not talking about the stories I've seen of deliverances. I'm just telling you some of the stuff that my dad saw of another witch doctor who looked like he was 300 pounds big, walked into the house, the same thing happened. He said, I want what you have. I see the power on you is greater. What is it? My dad preached the gospel to him. Those demons were manifesting. He said he did, as he put his hands on him, he he heard a sound like a deflating balloon. And for three minutes flat, air came out of his mouth. And he said, by the time the air came out, the man looked like he was 150 pounds in front of him. I know that when I wasn't serving God myself, I saw a demon spirit right in front of my eyes in the middle of the dark. And you talk about, I was like, oh, good God Almighty. I just said to myself, Lord, I don't even, I'm gonna pretend I did not just see what I just saw right now. (laughs) And I walked right out because I went to get something from my brother's room in the basement and he was up to no good. And I had to climb, there was no electricity. I climbed over a table, climbed over something else, went to his closet. I knew exactly what I was looking for and where it was so I could find my way around the dark. And, and as I went to the closet, this thing walks right past me like this. And I'm freaking out because I know I've got to get over the table, over the other thing before I can even get out of here right now. This didn't happen, I'm just walking out of here right now. And I wasn't serving the Lord then. In that short little moment, even though I grew up around the ministry, there was a period of about three years. I was living life to the fullest, serving the devil, just to be quite honest with you. But then we've seen demons coming out of people screeching. I'm I'm, I'm just spending some time here to understand. I'm not coming out of left field. We're seeing that activity. We're seeing, what we're seeing is the glory of God on the increase because we're coming into the hour where it's not just one man and one woman. There's still gonna be the authority of the church, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists. But those, that fivefold ministry is actually beginning now to t- turn the corner into getting this thing right in that we are going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is that we are to spend our time releasing and imparting the blueprint of heaven for you. You are called, you are are anointed. God can use me to raise it, but He can use you to raise it. And He wants the church empowered. And what we're seeing is the glory increasing and the devil ain't happy. But we run on our mission. We do on our mission. And when we come across those things, we cast them out. Amen. And I'm just gonna go ahead and say, we go ahead and cast them out. And when they come across and they don't wanna be free, we don't allow that to become a distraction. We focus on what we've got to focus on. You know, about five months ago in the service here, we had somebody freed from a demon spirit right in the middle of the service. And the Lord said, go for it right then and there. But I had to make a decision. Because how many of you know the devil will come in and try to distract and derail an entire service to draw attention to himself? 
So the Lord said, deal with it. We heard one scream, and then it was gone. And the person, by the evidence of their life after the fact, they came. They were depressed and, I mean, just sort of down and somber. I mean, there was a light that returned to their eyes. It was a flicker. There was a joy. There was, the lights were there and everybody was home. There was, there was freedom. Are you with me? The fruit of deliverance. How many of you know Perry Stone? I love Perry Stone's ministry. How many of you realise when you pastor a church, you cannot just feed people on end time eschatology. There is also other things that the church need to be fed. Well, he talks about that all the time. He does. He's called. That's what God has anointed him to do. He is in his lane doing what God has called him to do. That's the grace of God upon his life and we celebrate it. And there are other ministries that have got emphasis on what God has called them to do. They are in their lane. But all the scripture is profitable for us. All of it. All the scripture. We cannot become like a crab that's lopsided. We eat one thing all the time. Eat, 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 eat. I'm telling you right now, if you eat pizza all day, you're going to become a pizza. I mean, you get what I'm trying to say. The point of the matter is, is that you've got a feast. There's a lot. How many of you realise that there's more than one restaurant out there? How many of you, uh, let me just ask you while I'm ending here. How many of you eat at one restaurant all day, every day? I mean, the only place you ever eat is at McDonald's. Well, certainly please, for the love of Jesus. And I am friends with that own McDonald's. So we love you, but we're not talking about you right now. And, and, and what we should be focusing is on eating, let's just go with some healthier restaurants where you've got healthy food in it. You don't eat at that particular restaurant every single day. Are you with me? So I'm trying to say is that we cannot take one ministry and make that whole ministry the only voice that exists out there because otherwise we become lopsided and we become limited in what God can do. And I'm saying all of that to bring it down to this that some people who are called in a five-fold capacity have ministries where they focus on deliverance and that is their lane. That doesn't mean everybody is a full-time person. And by the way, let me just go ahead and narrow this down. They've had a lot more experience in dealing with demons. But in the Bible, there is no such thing as the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the deliverance man. There's no full-time calling for deliverance. It's not a sixth calling to the fivefold. 
Deliverance is a manifestation of the life of a believer. In other words, we should all have the ministry of deliverance. Every one of us possesses the, the ministry of deliverance. We all have same Jesus in you, same Jesus in me, same Jesus cast those devils out, same de- demon will ca- be cast out by the Jesus in you. Well, I have a ministry of deliverance. No, you don't. You're just basically telling me you have the ministry of a believer. Well done. Thank you for finally figuring it out. I have the ministry of deliverance. No, okay, well done. You just told me that you're a believer because every, now does every believer function in the authority? No, they don't. Some actually operate in it, but don't make it any more than what it is. It's just like with the ministry of intercession. We exalt ministries above what they should be. We are all called to intercede. We are all called to pray. We are all called to bring, to bring deliverance to people. He didn't say, now you five, I've called you just to the ministry of deliverance and then you four over there, no, you can't deliver anybody. He's given us all the ministry of deliverance and He's given us all the ministry of intercession. Some people yield to God more than others and feel the unction to pray more than others. Why? Because they've, they've submitted their flesh to God and they allow themselves to become somebody who will give themselves to intercession. Come on. I'm not knocking. I'm not trying to take away anybody's bones here today. The ministry of intercession is not above the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, and the teacher. Are you with me? So just put that in order. It's not the way it works. I'm almost done. Just wanting to land the plane now. And then, and then here's the other thing. If you have a problem with that, then go to the person. Well, I don't agree with this. Go to the person. If you are so confident in what you believe, go to the person. I'm not sitting there. Come on, how many have ever had a personal conversation with me? Yeah. Were you afraid to talk to me about something? If you're afraid to talk to me about something that you're confident in, then maybe you don't have a problem with me. Maybe you just don't wanna be confronted with the truth. And I'm not there to, I'm, my demeanour when I'm sitting with people in my conversation is not gonna be like I am preaching. You understand, this is my position of authority here. And I'm functioning in that authority. When I'm sitting with you, I'm gonna have a conversation with you in a normal tone of voice. And all I'm gonna do is point you to Jesus. 
And if what, you, if what you have to present to me points to you more than it does to Jesus, I'm sorry, then I'm not gonna turn around. We have to turn around and submit to this. This is what we submit to. We cannot deviate. We submit to this word. We submit everything to this word. Does that mean that you might've been taught wrong? Yes. Is it okay? Can you humble yourself? Yes. Do we like it? No, it's painful. Does it help us to grow and mature? Yes. Now I'm speaking to you in an apostolic anointing right now. Because that's what the apostle does. The apostolic anointing is there to equip and build. This word is an equipping building word. If you will allow it to build you. Amen. And so let me, and that was the final point that I was going to say concerning the ministry of intercession. The ministry of intercession in the new covenant is not the same as the ministry of intercession in the old covenant. What does that mean? That means the ministry of intercessor is not a ministry that stands in the gap. Oh, <gasps> what? I didn't say that. The book of Timothy says, the one man, Jesus, he is the intercessor. He put all intercessors out of business. In other words, he replaced the old model. Jesus was the representation of the new man for the new church. So what does intercession mean for the new covenant? that we are not standing in the gap like we're trying to get the victory for God. No, Jesus already won and acquired every victory that needs to be won. Somebody say this, every victory that needs to be won was already won in the crucifixion of Jesus. Oh, come on somebody. What am I telling you right now? Every victory was fully acquired in the body of Jesus. So how do I now intercede in the new covenant? I'm not standing in the gap because standing in the gap means I am, I am doing something to enforce victory. No, I'm not. I am enforcing what Jesus has already done in the earth. So the, 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 the old covenant prototype is I have got to pray in order to move heaven enough for God to move. The new covenant intercessor goes into the throne with boldness and says, Father, you gave us every victory that was needed. By the authority of the name of Jesus, I enforce into the earth what you have already done. You're not trying to earn, you're not trying to get it through prayer. He's already done it. You believe it. The new covenant is a faith thing. We either believe that he's done it or he hasn't. Intercession is an intercession is enforcing. We are the enforcers. Somebody say, I am an enforcer. Say it again. I am an enforcer. Hallelujah. Can we see the fine line there? 
Because if we do it the other way around, then we're saying, look at me and how spiritual I am. He made it easy for us. He made, somebody say, he made it easy for me. And I speak by faith in the name of Jesus, two things. We will never experience another hot Sunday like this ever again in the name of Jesus, in this building anyway. And then number two, by the time summer comes round, we will be in another building in the name of Jesus. We will be in, before we get to next summer, in Jesus' name, I declare that we, I am enforcing in the earth that which heaven has acquired for this body. In the name of Jesus. And it will be larger and people will be healed. People will be delivered in the services and we're gonna make room for demons to come out of people right in church. We're not gonna counsel them, we're gonna cast them out. We're gonna see people set free. We're gonna see drug addicts set free. Come on, we're gonna see people being healed. We're gonna see people being baptised. We're gonna see all of that. Come on, we are going to be releasers and enforcers of the Kingdom in the earth for this region for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Come on. It's kind of like becoming sheriff of the local county. This is, and this is me making the last point to finalize the last point that I made. It's point 1.3. The last point to emphasize the last one is this, is that, and it, what, is it, what does that mean? Can, can you help me? And I know you kind of already understood it, but I wanna make it a little bit clearer. It's kind of like every one of you have been made sheriff. You understand the governing laws. You understand as a sheriff what you can and cannot do, legally speaking. And you know that you have the power and the authority to do those things. You don't have to go back to the people that gave you the authority to say, oh, please, could you pretty please, pretty please, I'm dealing with the case over here and I need to. You know, you've got the warrants, you've got everything that you, you, if you have everything that you need, you can go and enforce the authority that you have been sent by. It is the same thing. Every one of you in this room has been a, made a sheriff with the jurisdiction of God Himself. You don't need to go back to God and ask Him and beg Him for something He's already said, but I've given you the authority to do that. That is the enforcer. The enforcer is the sheriff who understands all the legal terms and conditions of the covenant or the policies that he has. And he operates within the, co the confounds of that understanding. We are sons of God that have been given kingdom uh, 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 jurisdiction in the earth and we manifest those things in the earth. We enforce the victory. We never start out defeated. We start out in victory. Oh God, that you quit begging God to do something He's already done. Quit, stop begging God. Oh God, that somehow that you would, that you would, oh Lord, please, oh pretty please. And, and, and the way that you pray, it's like if you just pray the right way, if you will just get the combination of your words right, that God's gonna say, wow, that was a good prayer. Go for it. Yes, I'm gonna bless you now. 
That's not the approach of faith. That's the approach of, I don't know if this is accessible to me, so I'm gonna go ahead and try my luck and pray. If it works, great. That's not, I mean, that's not, that's terrible. But that's how we're approaching God when we don't understand how to do intercession right. That's exactly how we approach God. He said, I've never, uh, I have, I, I'll never let, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. He's never gonna forsake you. He's never gonna forsake you. He's with you. His victory is with you. Well, why is somebody dealing with so much stuff? Why is this person dealing with this? Because they need to get their minds renewed. Because they have not fully come to terms with what's already on the inside of them. It's because they have not fully decided to be an enforcer of the authority because they they are still in doubt and unbelief. Their, Their belief system hinders the way that they live. Come on, somebody. All right, so I vow to always, no, no, you don't have to say that, I'm vowing to you. I'm vowing to you that as long as I'm standing behind this pulpit, behind, by the help of the grace of God, to preach a gospel that puts all the glory and emphasis on Jesus. That it's all about Him, it's where it starts and it's where it ends, And if I preach any other gospel, run for the hills. See, it's easy for me to be confident and bold in the things that I say, as long as I am leaning in the authority of Jesus. I'm not leaning on any other authority but Him. I'm leaning on putting Him at the center of what I'm preaching. And if we, we, then listen, let's make the adjustments because I ain't making up malarkey here today. Amen? I'm saying that there's an easier way. Let's not complicate it. It's not complicated. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. And I usually apologize, but I really can't today. It's one o'clock. God bless you. Go and enjoy a good lunch. If, If you're offended, The only way that you can help yourself by not being offended is give a really good offering. (laughs) Set yourself free. Make sure you're not offended. One of the ways that you know that you're not offended is to give a big offering. And if you are writing out checks, make them out to DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. The offering basket's right there. The envelopes are there. Just drop it in the corner. If you're watching by way of live stream, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Your Support button where you can give safely and securely. And then lastly, if you wanna use your phone to text to give, text the following number, 337-434-3777. Text the word give to that number and you'll receive a link where you can give safely and securely. God bless you. Thank you, everybody. We love you. And I love you more than you think I do. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Go out in the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. The end.